Hello and welcome to Reasonably Fit. We're Jason and Lauren Pack, and this is the podcast for anyone who wants a more thoughtful and grounded approach to health and fitness. If you'd like to support our show, we have a couple discount codes you can use on some of our personal favorite products. The first is our favorite workout footwear, Vivo Barefoot. Vivos are the best of the best when it comes to minimal footwear, and the Primus Lights are the shoes you see us wearing in all of our Instagram content. You can save 10% off your entire purchase with the code PAK10. That's P-A-K-1-0. Just go to www.vivobarefoot.com or click the link in our show notes to get a pair today. The second is for our favorite supplement brand, Legion. We've tried so many different supplement brands over the years, and right now nothing beats Legion. Our current go-tos are the whey protein powder, pulse pre-workout, creatine, and immune support because if you listen to this show, you know our kids are constantly bringing home new viruses from school. We almost always turn down partnership deals because we only ever want to work with brands that we use and love ourselves, and we actually reached out to Legion to partner because we love it so much. You can use code PAK20, that's P-A-K-2-0, for 20 20% off your first order and then double loyalty points for subsequent orders, which is the equivalent of 10% cash back. Just go to www.legionathletics.com or click the link in our show notes. Using our codes really helps to support our show and it saves you money at the same time, so we think it's a win-win. Okay, with that said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Hi. I wanted to start today's episode by congratulating you. Oh, me or the audience? You, Jason. Okay, yep. Um, because something very important to you is having top comments on House of Highlights. And you've had so many in the last couple of weeks. Just, ap- you know, comment after comment. You're just comment, top comment god. <laughs> so this is um, a personal goal of mine. <laughs> it is to have the most light comment on various sports pages like House of Highlights, <laughs> Complex Sports, and I view it as a more impressive social media accomplishment than having followers and whatnot <laughs> and whatever we built our career on. Uh, the top comment is is like, it's just the truest form of voting democracy. People are voting that your comment is the top comment. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. You well, you've been killing it. You've been killing it. I mean, I like even there's been some where I don't get it. And then I see like thousands of likes and I'm like, I don't even get it. And thousands of people are saying that this is like very funny. So you're just kind of cooler than me and much wittier. And I just I'm I'm always in awe and very impressed when you can come up with these things on the fly. And with those types of accounts, because they have like millions of followers, you have to like, I feel like you have notifications on for them because you have to basically get that comment in there really fast to start getting the likes to then start having people see it. Yeah, it has to be within the first like five minutes or so. And so if I, no matter how busy I am, if I happen to be within the first five minutes of checking that post, I'm like, okay, I got to come up with something and I'm like racking my brain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought it was worth recognizing because you really have been killing it lately. People so. are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who follows those accounts, they they know. They, they know, know, they know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we are going to talk about how to get your first pull up. This is actually a an episode, the top episode from our previous podcast. We used to have a podcast that mm. we did when I went to listen to. I wanted to like refresh my memory about what we talked about in that episode because people still bring it up to this day. And it was over two years ago. Um, we were like, welcome to episode 200 and something. I'm like, Holy crap, we did a lot of episodes. We did a ton of Q&A episodes. Yeah. yeah. So um, that old podcast, we don't update anymore. And so it's not worth sort of like 
telling like I felt like it was weird to when people say how do I get my first pull up to send them to an outdated old, old podcast. podcast that we don't even update so we decided that today we wanted to just remake the episode maybe add in some additional things that we've learned or gained throughout the last couple of years um, but really we wanted a resource for people who want more than just like a quick answer, like use bands or use a machine or do eccentrics or all the things that you hear people say on social media, which granted you only have 60 seconds to teach someone how to do something and a pull-up is really complicated. This is a way to just give a lot more information, a lot more of the why behind we behind the reasons that we uh, recommend what we do. Um, and so we hope this is really helpful for you. Yeah. And we have been, I mean, we've worked with so many people where pull-ups were their goal and they were able to accomplish it because we've been formulating this system for the last 15 years, basically. And we would start with an approach and be like, okay, this isn't working for X, Y, and Z reason. Let's kind of tweak it a little bit. Okay, this is happening later on in the pull-up progression. So let's tweak the program. Let's tweak our approach. And so we're going to give you a lot of little nuggets in here along with a program because you know the program is half the battle the other half is the execution your mindset around things how you're performing the lift and just little things like that that are all going to add up to hopefully you getting your first pull up yes for sure okay so let's start with the controversial part mm. which is that we recommend using bands bands <laughs> which has become apparently controversial if you're not like in the fitness industry you probably don't really even know that this is controversial but there are there kind of was like this influx and I would say it started a couple years ago and I haven't seen as much of it lately but this influx of influencers being like don't use bands if you want to get your first pull up you have to just do eccentrics and isometrics and inverted rows (laughs) and I was always like what a weird like stance stance and like like to bash something that works for a lot of people for the sake of like likes and and views yeah yeah. (laughs) right um i think that we actually i mean first when that sort of like propaganda came up we're like okay hmm maybe we should just start programming programming in some more isometrics (laughs) eccentrics and isometrics and what ended up happening was a lot of people got elbow pain they got wrist pain like holding these positions in a position where you're not strong enough to do a full rep is very just impactful on your joints to try to hold or slowly lower. It, there's just a lot of stimulus going on in that area. And if you're training it multiple times per week, then you know issues are going to pop up because of that overuse issues. Yeah. So just to give, in case you don't know what eccentrics and isometrics are, eccentrics are basically an eccentric pull-up is you want to jump yourself up to the top of the rep. So basically you're like standing on a box or you have some assistant, somebody helping you get up to the top so that you're holding your chin above the bar and then you slowly lower yourself down into a full hang and then step back on the box and jump up again it's actually a really high level skill like it's very very challenging and in order to do this you have to be able to also control like your amount of swinging that Mm -hmm. that happens when you pull yourself when you jump yourself up which is again very high level very high skill um and like jason like you said if you don't have the strength yet to do a full pull-up the argument is we can work on the low, slow lowering down, which is definitely a 
way to train for strength for a lot of different exercises. But if you don't have the strength to hold yourself up at the top, you're kind of, you end up basically just falling down Mm -hmm. and then kind of your joints are taking the brunt of that essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. An isometric is just the hold at the top without the lowering down part, Mm -hmm. but just to distinguish what those two words even mean. Yeah. And so I feel like for, I don't know, a few months, we tried to just force the issue basically. It's like, oh, people have been saying that eccentrics and isometrics work. Let's force the issue. (laughs) And it would be just kind of awkward because we'd have people who weren't confident in doing a pull-up, who couldn't do a pull-up just yet. And then we're having like them explosively jump off off of plyo box and try to catch themselves like all the way at the top of the rep and then expect them to come down smoothly. But what ended up happening was, first of all, they were anxious and nervous to try to jump up off that box in the first place when they're going to be like seven feet off the floor hanging up off the bar. And then they would catch they would catch themselves, but it will almost immediately they would lower it down. It wouldn't be like a very slow, smooth, eccentric. It would just kind of like their body would just almost collapse like dead weight basically because they weren't strong enough to pull pull themselves up there. (laughs) And it just led to just like, yeah, not a great um, confidence boosting session. Their elbows started hurting. Like it just wasn't a great approach. So we were like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board here. Let's figure out like, never mind a pull-up, but like how would we program for any sort of goal and how we would do that is lots of volume with some maximal reps, some maximal effort reps. Uh, no, some some maximal reps at some maximal loads, not some maximal effort. Maximal yeah. effort. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we're like, okay, bands are the most logical approach because you're able to train the pattern and you're able to unload this body weight heavy movement. And it just makes the most sense from that standpoint. So let's try to spend some time here, figure out ways we can make bands work rather than saying bands are stupid and just hit, totally taking them out of the progression altogether. Yeah, because the main thing about bands is that they will meet you where you're at. Mm-hmm. And with an eccentric, like you're just limited to your current strength in your body weight and that's it. Like you can't make it any easier or change the difficulty like you can only just do it. Yeah. And if you can't do it, then it's very discouraging. And you feel like, okay, well, then I guess I can't progress to a pull-up. Like, what are you supposed to do if you yeah. can't actually do that movement? And with bands, it really is just about finding the band width that allows you to start doing pull-ups. And mm-hmm. you can combine bands. You can you can use a pull-up machine if you don't have the right kind of bands. But we do prefer bands because they're a little bit more – they mimic a little bit more of, like, a real pull-up. Um, and th- that mimic part is – I think just such a crucial detail because we've also heard advice going along with the don't do bands and do eccentrics and isometrics are do deadlifts, do rows. That's going to help to get you to get your first pull up. And for some people that might be true, but we've had lots of individuals who could deadlift a ton, who could row a ton of weight, but you really have to be technically proficient at a pull-up. Like at first glance, it sounds easy. It looks easy. You just pull yourself up. But there's a very specific rhythm to it and a a specific path that your arms go through that you have to really groove over time and be efficient in that groove. Otherwise, you won't be able to do it. Right. It's not, it's it's a combination of things. I guess that's what you're kind of saying is Mm -hmm. like, yeah, getting stronger overall, because that's that argument is like, just get stronger and you'll be able to do a pull up and yeah. getting stronger overall absolutely will make it easier to do a pull up, but it's not going to 
let you do a pull-up for the first time if you've never done one before. Like yeah. you have to practice, you have to grease the groove, like we Pavel says, <laughs> which is basically just like getting like what you were just saying, getting a lot of repetitions in at a submaximal load. And the way the best way to do that is with bands. Yeah. So it was a really long-winded way <laughs> of us maybe being like a little bit defensive. <laughs> Bands are good. <laughs> but basically a long-winded way of why we still to this day choose bands as our main form of helping someone get to their first pull-up. And we have, I mean, hundreds if not thousands of people who have achieved their first pull-up yeah. by using this strategy. Yeah, exactly. Now, as far as bands go, we're talking about those longer resistance bands that you could loop over a pull-up bar and then attach to your body. You can find them on Amazon. You can find them at Rogue. Um, we have historically in the past used Perform Better Super Bands, but really any sort of resistant band, resistance band works. Now, the key here is you want to get a full set of them. And so we typically recommend anywhere from two and two-thirds of an inch or one and three quarters of an inch. As your thickest. As your thickest. And then all the way down to a quarter band as your thinnest. Quarter inch. Quarter inch. Quarter <laughs> inch band as your thickest. So basically, we want a whole full set of five to six bands, basically, working your way down from those uh half to quarter inch segments. Yes. And if you are a member of a gym, most gyms will have a mm. variety of bands. So you probably will have access to them, but sometimes they don't, or sometimes they're hard to find. And this is something that's really easy to take with you to the gym. So mm. just having your own is kind of a nice way to know that when you show up, whether you're at home or at a gym, you're going to have the band that you need. <laughs> so I would say it's a worthwhile investment. Yeah. And the other thing is each band, depending on how many times it's been used, has mm. a certain sort of like different stretch level to it. And so if you're at a gym, one day you might do half an inch and the other day that half inch band uh, might be a more used band and might feel really like like there's nothing, it's, got, it's not giving you anything because it's so stretched out. So it just helps to have just like quality control basically by having your own set. Totally true. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we get into the technique behind actually doing pull-ups with a band and then we can actually break out what a program would look like when you're actually trying to get your first pull-up. So when it comes to technique, one of the first things, one of the biggest things is we want to loop the band around your foot, not around your knee. And this is really because number one, you're not you're not going to get a lot of assistance if you put it around your knee because it's less stretched out. And so you're going to only feel a little bit of assistance at the bottom and then it's pretty much just back on you again. And so in that case, you're going to have to buy really, really thick bands like mm. or you might even not be able to do it with the thickest band because it's not providing you enough assistance. So what we really want to make sure you do is put it around the arch of your foot. Now, for a lot of people that can be challenging in terms of flexibility, like getting your foot up there, or even if the band is really thick, like kicking the band down can be really hard. So it's going to take a little bit of finagling in terms of just how to get yourself set up. What I would recommend is having a box that's fairly high over by the pull-up bar so that you're already kind of up high and you can kind of just step your foot into the band as opposed to pulling the band down and then trying to lift your leg and getting your foot into it because that can feel really awkward. You might feel like you're off balance. Like it just kind of feels a little scarier to do that. So if you are on a higher box, it's just going to be a little bit easier to put your foot in the band and then kick your foot down and you want to fully extend your leg before you go into a hang. 
right? So if you have your knee bent with your foot in the band and then you try to step off of the box and simultaneously kick that leg straight, it's going to, again, feel really awkward. You're going to be swinging. You're going to be a little bit off balance and you're just not going to feel strong going into that first repetition. So band around the arch of your foot, extend your leg out straight, and then very slowly step down off the box so that you're in a full hang. Yeah. And, you know, I would I will say no matter how much you sort of prep yourself for this, the first couple of times it's going to feel like like the band's going to snap back and hit you in the face. It's going to feel very uncomfortable. But after your first couple of sessions, it'll start to become second nature Well, you where you'll understand how much force to apply to the band so that it locks out and everything feels really smooth. But try not to be too embarrassed by those first couple of reps because it will feel weird at first, I will say. But now going along with the note of why we don't want to put it on the knee, we used to actually do it on the knee first. And we just noticed that people would, first of all, they would start swinging their knee back and forth to try to get some momentum. And by having the leg straight out and your foot in the band, it basically removes that variable of people trying to use their legs to cheat the movement and climb, climb all the way up. And now the second thing that would happen is their knee would start to, even if they weren't using it as momentum, it would be kind of moving all over the place throughout the throughout the rep. It's like they were trying to counterbalance their balance as they were going up. And so we can never truly understand how much assistance it was giving them because the band would go up and down throughout the portion of the lift. But if it's around the foot, it's always the same uniform amount of stretch, the same uniform amount of assistance. So it was very just... It was just conducted like a like a research study. Like it needs to be very consistent in order for us to make sure that it makes sense within the context of the program. Yeah. And this is a really this whole setup is really important. I think that it, it is often overlooked or not even talked about at all. But when you whenever you learn um, a higher level skill, which a pull up is people talk about the setup is your first rep, like Mm. the setup you want to have match your setup with no matter what weight you're using. You'll watch if you watch professional powerlifters, whether they're warming up with just the bar or they're squatting like three times their body weight, the way that they approach the bar is always identical. They put their hands in the same place. They do the same sort of like routine because that just makes them more um, consistent with the way that they actually perform the movement. And the same thing goes for pull-ups. You really want to create this routine for yourself where you're setting yourself up for success before you even get started with the lift. Yeah. And along those lines, we're not done with our setup yet. We're still going. So now you've gotten your foot in the band, you've extended your leg, you've come down to a hang. We want to pause in the hang position. The Your natural inc- inclination will be to start going right away because you mm. want to get it over with because you want to do it. You want to make sure you can do it. Like the, the inclination is to just get going right away. But what this does is it puts you a little bit off balance. Oftentimes you're not like fully engaged. You might be swinging and it's not actually going to lead to a stronger rep. So what mm-hmm. we want to do is come down pause with your arms all the way straight. And we also want to think about sort of being in a little bit of a hollow position. Now, we don't need to exaggerate this and kick your legs out in front of you and be like super gymnast, but we don't want your back to be arched or your feet to be behind you. We want to think about feet directly underneath you or slightly out in front of you. And this is another reason why having the band around your foot really helps. When it's around your knee, we tend to be in a little bit more of an arched position, which just kind of doesn't allow you to use your abs as much as you could for the lift. And when you're using your abs, it's just more muscles contributing to you being able to get yourself up over the bar. So we might as well keep everything as sort of like tight and tense as we can throughout the pull-up. Yeah. And going along with that note, not only 
does stepping off and just coming to a standstill help with just the overall form of everything? But when you are working up to your first pull-up, that first pull-up from a dead hang is obviously going to be the most challenging one. And if you are used to going up on that tall box and then lowering yourself down quickly and then rebounding from Mm. the bottom using the stretch reflex from your muscles and using that sort of bouncy stretch at the bottom of the, the band, you're really neglecting that first third of the movement. And you'll find that, or what we found was that when people try to sort of um, uh, cheat past that first initial third range of motion, when they finally get strong enough to get to the thinnest band and they're doing full out reps, when they do it without the band, that first rep, they can't do it. Yeah. Even though if they were able to use a little bit of stretch reflex, they could do it. Because that bottom position is so difficult to start from a dead hang, it it just becomes really difficult for them. So it's really important right from the start, right from the get-go, train yourself to start from a complete dead hang and pull yourself up. Yeah. And basically, this is I I would say this is like a mindset to go into pull-ups with in general is that it can feel... So when we have a goal and pull-ups are the goal of so many people, when you have a goal, we we want to get there quickly. Like it's really hard mm. to be patient. It's really hard to do things that you know will actually al- allow you to do fewer or mm. less or have to go to a thicker band. Like that mindset is very challenging because you're like, now I'm further away than I was before, right? If you stop using that stretch reflex and you could do eight reps before and now you can only do five, you feel like you've gotten further away from your goal. Mm. But that's not true. It just feels that way. But it's actually the case is that you have now gotten stronger, you've gotten better technique, and that's going to lead you to getting to your pull-up faster in the long run as long as you're consistent. So this is just a mindset shift to be aware of and to remember that this is going to be a long process no matter what, no matter how you approach it, but it'll be a longer process if you create bad habits in the beginning and then have to backtrack and go backwards when you realize that you can't you have to undo those bad habits. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. And probably we should have said this in the introduction of just setting the overall expectation that this is a longer, steadier approach that is focused on consistency and sustainability rather than trying to get to your first pull-up as quickly as possible. Because when you do that, you might settle uh, get into even more bad habits, even, even if you are using a band. And it just sets you up poorly over the long haul. So... What we want you to expect is a minimum of four months. Yeah. And it's going to be slow and steady. And each session, you're just kind of thinking about, okay, I'm just getting my reps in. I'm just getting my mindful, quality, really good, impeccable form reps in. (laughs) And over time, whenever I get there, I'll get my first pull up. But as soon as you start to think, I want to get it uh, within eight weeks or a six-week cycle, then you start to skip bands. Then you start to do too much. Uh, You might try to use a less than optimal form and speed up your reps and bounce the bottom. And eventually you're going to get further away from your goal than you actually should be. And you'll find that like we've had people restart their cycle because they're like, well, you know, I was kind of bouncing at the bottom a little bit, or I did skip a band too quickly. I I used too uh, hard of a band to start off with. And so they kind of got into these rabbit holes. So we're just thinking again, 
try to set the expectation that this is a longer, steadier process. Yeah, that's such an important point. We probably should have led with it. Maybe we would have lost people, though, if they're like, I don't want it to take me four months to get there. <laughs> we're like, we're going to bury it somewhere in the middle of explaining the technique of how to do pull-ups. This what, might take you a while. What a terrible headline. Like, <laughs> get your pull-up in four years. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be different, obviously, for everyone, depending on where you're starting from. But just setting the expectation that this is, I mean, it's a very hard skill. And mm-hmm. there's a reason that a lot of people are like, I've been trying to get a pull-up for years or I've never been able to do a pull-up, if you think about how long you've lived and how many times maybe you've tried and you've never been able to, like that should tell you that it's going to take a while, right? Like all of a sudden it's not just going to happen tomorrow because you learned this like super special technique. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, let's get back to form. So we've talked about the setup and now I want to just talk about the actual reps. So once you are down in your dead hang, you're all the way extended, you're ready to go. We want to think about pulling slow and driving your elbows down. This is something that's going to really help in a few different for a few different reasons. Going slow is really very much like what you were just talking about, Jason. It's going to be like ensuring that you're not using any sort of outside strategies to get yourself up over the bar. You're not swinging. You're not bouncing. We want to think about slow and strong on the way up. And driving the elbows down really helps to keep your your whole body kind of like in the right position. When we think about pulling ourselves up, the first thing we tend to think about when we do that is shrugging our shoulders up toward our ears because we're pulling and we're thinking about it fast and our shoulders tend to shrug up. And that is just going to be, first of all, a less ideal, a less strong place to pull from and could also lead to a lot of neck, shoulder discomfort, which is a big complaint of a lot of people when they're doing pull-ups is that they tweak their neck or they tweak their upper back. And a lot of times that is because they're shrugging their shoulders or getting into a position that really isn't a strong pulling position. So the intention of driving the elbows down really does just keep you from doing that sort of shrugging or quick technique to get yourself up over the bar. It slows you down and it keeps your reps just a lot more efficient. Yeah. And really it just helps you to control every degree of motion on the way up. Because if there's sort of like a, a, a weak degree of motion that you haven't really trained or you've tried to speed through, like it's going to show up when you remove the assistance for sure. Yes, definitely. And then when you're pulling, when you're getting to the top, we want to be able to very easily clear the bar with your chin and get either to like the bottom of your neck or your chest. That's a full rep. If you're going to the point where you're like at your nose and then you lift your chin up and try to get it over the bar, which we've seen a million times as a technique of like, that's, that's a pull up you're not going to be strengthening the full range of motion. And once again, you're just cut, you're taking a shortcut in the short term to, that's going to have a negative impact on your ability to get that real first pull up in the long run. So really making sure that your intention is to get your collarbone to the bar mm-hmm. and picking a band that lets you get that high. If you can't get that high, you're just not quite doing a full pull up. Go to a thicker band and try to really get neck to collarbone. Uh, area up to the bar. And then from there, we're slowly and under control, lowering yourself back down to the bottom. It's not an eccentric. We're not like trying to take a long time to get to the bottom, but just not dropping down Mm. without any sort of like activity from your upper body. You still want it to be an active, uh, you still want to be active on the way down. Yeah. You want control on the way down rather than just plopping and letting gravity take over. Exactly. Yep. So let's just do a quick recap of all of that setup. (laughs) So the band is around the pull-up bar. You get yourself set up on a box. You step your foot into the band. You extend that leg straight. Then you grab onto the bar and come to a full hang. We pause. Wait a second to stop swinging. Make sure everything is 
is connected and tight. Then we think about driving the elbows down, pulling up slowly under control, getting your neck or collarbone all the way up to the bar, and then slow and control, lowering yourself all the way down back to that full hang, and then repeating for however many reps you're going to be doing that day. And then at the very end of your set, people start to get a little bit anxious there as well. Now they're fatigued and they frantically are trying to find (laughs) Find the box box. (laughs) behind them. They try to look back with their eyes and they turn their body. All you need to do is pick up your heel of the non-banded foot, reach back, and the box will be that no one has moved the box since the start of your first (laughs) set of pull-ups. Just lift up your heel, find the box with your foot, don't look back, and then just kind of retrace your steps backwards. But the amount of times we find people just turning their body around as they're trying to figure out how to do it. And then, yeah, just not a good situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because then you actually will put yourself in a precarious like position on the bar. Like yeah. just, the box will be there unless somebody pulled a really awful prank Terrible. on you. The box will be there. (laughs) All right. So now we've gone over technique. That is so important. If we just gave you a pull-up program and said, okay, go ahead and do it this way, it really would not do it justice. Like it really wouldn't be a a solid program because Mm -hmm. the technique is so much of the program. So that is step number one. And now step number two, we're going to talk about how to actually program it so that you can have a very consistent plan of attack when you actually go into like, okay, this is my goal. I want to do this. This is how I'm going to get there. So let's give them, let's give them the program. Yeah. So actually before we get into the program, (laughs) let's not, let's not, let's make one other sort of note is when you are training for a pull-up, that first pull-up rep is going to be a max repetition, right? So it's going to be max load. And so what you want to think about when we are using bands we're trying to operate at a lower load, basically. And so you want to think of this as, okay, let's imagine that you're trying to train for a 200-pound deadlift. You want to make sure that you start your program off not at 200 pounds because you're going to plateau or get hurt. You want to make sure that you're starting well below that and slowly working your way up. And this is what we're talking about with bands. And week one is probably the most important thing because you want to choose a band that is challenging, but also very conservative to start as well. Yeah. And so the first time you use the band, you put your foot in the band, it takes a lot of effort. You're going to say, this is way too thick. I'm, I'm, I'm flying up here. But hopefully after the course of the sets and you're doing slow repetitions, coming to a complete dead hang, pulling yourself up slowly with good form, driving your elbows down, hopefully by the end of those three sets, you're going to feel like you had a really good pull-up training session. You might not be completely gassed and wiped out, but that's not the point. We want to make sure that we're ingraining good patterns and getting a lot of high-quality reps at a sub-maximal load. Yes, exactly. And so that's the the key step. Step one of this program is figuring out which band you're going to start with because that is going to dictate basically how the rest of the program goes. And what we recommend is starting with a band that you can do eight reps with, but we're going to start the program at sets of five. So you want to be able to perform eight reps with whatever band you get, but that's not actually what you're going to do on week one. Mm -hmm. So it can be a little bit tricky to figure that out, but that is going to be our goal for choosing your band. How would you suggest that somebody, like, would you say find a band and just start repping it out, like seeing how many you can do? Like, I think so, yeah. I think even before you start the official program and hopefully you have like your set of bands in front of you and you're trying to figure out where to start with, 
just start with the heaviest band, perform the set exactly how we outline slowly with good control and good form and figure out how many reps you get. And so let's say you start off with a one and three quarter inch band. And when you execute it with the form that we're talking about, you get, let's say six reps, then you know that that band is, even though it feels easy to do those six reps, that you should actually go up in band size and go to that two inch band or two and two and a third inch band. Start there and you feel like, okay, I can get like nine, eight reps or so with good form. That means that that is the good place to start for your first week which is going to be three sets of five slow rep pull-ups. Yes, and we wanted to say get eight to nine to 10 reps first because when you hear three sets of five, you're definitely gonna be like, oh, well, I can definitely do three sets of five with the mm-hmm. one and three quarters yeah. band, right? So if you if you even hear the reps before you know how to pick the band, that can be dangerous because it really can affect your mindset around like, well, I know I could do, I could technically do this right now. Yeah, totally. It doesn't matter. Try to get that out of your head. Really trust us because we are going to progressively overload. This is a strategy we've talked about in so many episodes before this, but we're going to week by week, workout by workout, we're going to try to add a little bit more and a little bit more. And if If you pick a band that is almost at your ceiling or is already at your ceiling, you literally have no ability to progressively overload because you can't build that much strength in one session. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of practice. So we need to give ourselves that room, that, that space to be able to actually progress. Yeah, definitely. So throughout this program, we're going to slowly be progressively overloading. And during that time, over the course of weeks, Your body is going to develop more muscle in that area. Your body is going to just kind of have stronger technique because you're constantly rehearsing the same movement with the same form over and over again. Your joints and ligaments and tendons that could get overused if you were to rush through the program with a too light of a band are actually getting stronger and getting more tolerant to the stressors that you're placing upon them. So a lot of great things are happening as you're operating at these submaximal loads. And so when you finally are getting further along in the program, your body is just prepared. It knows what's, what to do. And it's just really dialed in on all cylinders. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the sort of nitty gritty of the program here. And we're going to put this all in the um, show notes as well. So you have sort of a visual beyond it, but it's really straightforward. Week one, we recommend we recommend for this program doing two days a week of pull-ups. And week one, what we recommend are those three sets of five. All right, so let's say you're lifting on Monday and Thursday, both days, you're using the same band for three sets of five. Now week two, we're gonna progressively overload. For pull-ups, we don't necessarily like going higher up in reps really quickly because we feel like the form starts to deteriorate deteriorate a little bit. And so we actually like to go up in sets. So in week two, we like to go to four sets of five. So we're doing more repetitions there, but in the form of sets. And then week three, we're gonna go to five sets of five. And then finally in week four, we're gonna deload down to three sets of six. So now we increase by one rep, but we go down in sets so that it's actually slightly fewer, it's actually significantly fewer overall reps. So we went from doing 25 reps to doing 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really fast <laughs> slash slow math <laughs> from someone who, if you listen to last week's episode, you know I struggle with numbers. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so it's a it's a deload technically because we're 
bringing the sets way back, but this is our opportunity to then go up in volume in terms of how many reps you get per set. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to go to three sets of six. The next week we go four sets of six, the following week, five sets of six. And then finally week seven, we're going to go to seven reps, but we're only doing three sets because we want to deload. So we're constantly playing this sort of like dance where we're scaling up for a few weeks and then we deload and then we scale up for a few weeks and then we deload all the while trying to progressively overload. And those deloads are really important because, again, no matter how slow and steady you're going with, um, your your elbows, your wrists, your shoulders, they might feel a little funky because you are suddenly doing a lot more pull-up volume. So we want to make sure that we have some really calculated plan breaks and deloads in there so that your body has a chance to sort of rest and recover before your next you know few weeks of scaling back up. All right, so now let's go to week seven. We're at three sets of seven. The following week, we go four sets of seven. Then we're going to go up to five sets of seven in week nine. And then in week 10 is our deload week, but we are still increasing a repetition. So we're going to three sets of eight. And then we go to four sets of eight in week 11. And then finally, week 12, we're getting to five sets of eight. And after that, five sets of eight in week 13, that's when we want to go down a band size. Yes. So this has all been with the same band. So we're just increasing because when we do progressive overload, we only want to increase one variable. We've mm -hmm. talked about that. So we don't want to increase reps and take away a band size and add volume. Like all of that stuff is going to be too much. So we're sticking with the same size band this entire way through, but just gradually increasing the amount of volume. And then week 13, we go back to our three sets of five, but we're on our next band. And this is intentionally very, very slow and steady <laughs> progress with the pull-ups. It's going to be just a long time going and just practicing with each and every band and getting a lot of reps in. But we've built it out this way because we've realized that going too quickly, it just stalls your progress out way too soon, way too early. And we've had maybe like, let's say 5% of the people that we've trained were able to sort of accelerate their progress a little bit based upon how they were executing their form and getting stronger and all that. But for the vast majority of people, we realized that we need to slow them down even more. And this is why we have this approach. Yeah. And the timeline is also going to depend on where you start, right? So if you're starting with a one inch band, you're only going to take two to three cycles of this to get to body weight. Mm -hmm. But if you're starting at the two inch band, it's going to probably be about a year yeah. to get through all the band sizes and all of these progressions. And that's a long time, but it's worth it if it's really a goal that you have and it's really something you want to accomplish. And it's going to be the way to do it without getting injured or getting frustrated. Like you're going to consistently be able to see the progress from week to week. Yeah, totally. Now, as far as going down a band size, again, we're not going down from one one and three quarters inch band to half an inch band. Right. We're making very incremental changes. And really, the smaller the change, the better. So a quarter inch difference or a half inch difference on the way down uh, from a band size is going to be uh, the preferred recommendation. Yeah. So basically, get a full set if possible from wherever you're buying them from so that you have every increment to go through. Exactly. And then week 13, with that brand new band, we're going to repeat that entire 12-week cycle, starting with three sets of five. So that's really the program in a nutshell. It's just a series of 12-week cycles where you're progressively overloading, and it looks simple on the surface, but it'll get you there. It's just very sound principles of progressive overload, of consistency, of deloads, 
Everything is built in there for you to be able to get to your first pull-up. And we recommend going through these 12-week cycles until you get down all the way down to about a half-inch band. And for some of you, maybe even a quarter-inch band if you feel like you need that little extra bit of of assistance. And it's going to feel ridiculous. It's going to feel like a piece of string, but it actually does help you still a pretty significant amount at that bottom position so that when you are finally ready to test your first unassisted pull-up, you know you're going to be very... We want you to be able to be like like just chomping at the bit to try your first unassisted pull-up and you're not going to be able to do it until you get... Or we don't want you to be... (laughs) We don't want you to do it until you get to the end of this basically programming cycle. Yeah, that's what I was going to say next is that the temptation, especially when you get down to that half inch band or that quarter inch band, the temptation to just try it Mm -hmm. is absolutely going to be there. It's so hard to resist. We've like yanked people off of pull-up bars in the past. Not really, but you know, like just like, (laughs) no, don't do it yet. Because the worst thing you can do is try it before you're ready and get discouraged because you're so close at that point. You're so close and you feel like you know you can do Mm -hmm. it. And if you... No, you can do it in your mind. The worst thing to do is go up and have that knowledge or like have that confidence shattered by not yeah. being able to do it yet. And that's it's really going to set you backwards. So please trust us that you want to get all the way to that final round with the half inch or quarter inch uh, of five sets of eight. That's what we're getting. Five sets of eight with a quarter mm-hmm. inch band. And then the next day or the next time you train, that's your opportunity. Don't do it on the day that you already did five sets of eight. <laughs> do it the next time when you're fresh. Try that full body weight pull up. And I will say that not only is it discouraging, but again, treat this like a max effort. So going back to that deadlift example, let's say you're at 175 pounds and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on a great trajectory. My lifts have been going great. I feel really good today. Why don't I just try that 200 pound deadlift? That's the equivalent of you just trying to do the unassisted pull-up too early. And that is going to have a significant impact on your body. Your body is going to feel really fatigued after that max effort. And it's going to derail the program. You're going to have to go back a couple of weeks because the next week your body's going to be so fatigued and it's not going to be able to do the reps that you need to do on that week because of you testing that max out too early. Right. So again, just trust the process. You're going to be chomping at the bit to get that first unassisted pull-up but trust the process. (laughs) Okay, so we talked about how this program is a long process, right? And we definitely know because we've, again, worked with people in real life and are real people who don't just like, are not robots who just can go (laughs) and get every single workout in every single week. We know that things are gonna pop up throughout those 12-week cycles, throughout the year-long, you know, approach to getting your first pull-up. So we just wanna give you some advice on how to go about navigating getting sick or going on vacation or whatever it is that comes up, how to keep going forward with the program. So this is actually gonna go hand-in-hand with um, the episode we did about training around illness um, Mm -hmm. or like coming back to training after you've been sick because we don't want to, we're not going to be able to be sick for a week and then come back and just continue on as normal. Like your body went through a lot or whether you're injured or even just like on vacation, like your body went through a lot, you haven't lifted for a week, like you're going to come back and not be quite as strong. You won't be at full strength. And so to expect yourself to be able to even repeat what you did the previous week, it's probably not going to be realistic and you might end up feeling disappointed or just derailing your progress. So we would actually recommend going back however many weeks 
you were out. So let's say you were sick for one week and you had just done your four sets of five. You were sick for a week. We're actually going to start back up the next week at three sets of five. So Mm -hmm. we're going backwards from the week you ended off. If you're sick for two weeks, same thing. Go back two weeks. So we're not even starting at where we left off. We're starting at one week before you left off. Yeah, exactly. And it's really just going to give you a chance to rebuild that strength, to rebuild that confidence. Like all of it is going to feel better for you coming back at a submaximal effort than trying to play catch up or to go at a strength level that you just don't really have at the moment. Yeah. And this is, it's going to be really tough in the beginning (laughs) to try to modify this way, but it's just one small step back in order for you to continue to take many more steps forward. But let's say you are somehow miraculously, even if you were able to complete the prescribed number of reps for that week, you would still be progressing too quickly and you would end up plateauing at some point in the program and then we'd have to scale back quite a bit from there. So it's just one small little step back so that you can keep moving forward. Yeah. Now, the only caveat to this approach is if you happen to get sick or have to travel or whatever happens on a deload week. So let's say this is week four, you were supposed to do three sets of six, but then you got sick. The following week, what we'd recommend is actually trying to do those three sets of six again, because it technically is already a deload. So we think you're going to be ready for those three sets of six, even though you were sick a week. But let's say you were sick for two weeks or you were traveling for two weeks and you weren't able to get any workouts in. Then what we'd recommend is doing two sets of six. Let's say you were sick for three weeks, then you do one set of six. So we're kind of scaling back in sets. And then we want you to scale back up by the following week, doing two sets of six, and then the week after, three sets of six. And then you're back on the program doing four sets of six, five sets of six. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of numbers being thrown out there. It made sense to me. I don't know if it will make sense to the listeners. (laughs) It should, hopefully. But basically what we're saying is allow yourself, make sure you're allowing yourself enough time to build your strength back up after being out for a little while. Don't expect to just jump right on the program. And if it was a deload week, you might still even need to deload further. Mm -hmm. Um, But going from three sets of six and if you're out for a week, going back to five sets of five, that's actually going to be like moving back a week in that case is actually going to be harder Much than moving forward. Yeah. So that's why that little caveat did need to be there. Yeah. Okay. So that is how to get your first pull up. It really is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Simple, not but easy. not easy. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, we promise you this is a foolproof way as long as you meet all the different guidelines that we've set up in terms of choosing the right band size, the right form, like all that sort of stuff needs to really fall into place for this to really work well. So just try not to overlook all the little variables that we mentioned. Try to follow this program to a T, trust the process, and you will get there. Yeah. And I will say that you'll want to do this in conjunction with an overall Mm. like strength focused program because Building strength, like like we talked about way earlier on, building strength is going to help make pull-ups easier. Building overall strength, even deadlifts and squats and push-ups and rows, like all those things are going to help you to build more strength to then be stronger at doing pull-ups. So don't negate all of the other things that you should be doing in a well-rounded strength training program. Just add this in. We usually recommend adding it in on the earlier side of your workout. So if program if pull-ups aren't already programmed in, doing them a little bit earlier on in that workout so that you haven't u- utilized a ton of strength to the point where you you feel weak going into your set of pull-ups because they are a compound 
lift. They are something that requires a lot of strength and we want to put them earlier on in the workout for the yeah. most part. Yeah, we've even had people, let's say they're on a strength training program. They might do the program in the afternoon, but they happen to have a pull-up bar at home and they get those, you know, three, four sets earlier on in the morning yeah. while they're at home and just separate it out that way. So however you want to prioritize it, you can do it that way. Yeah, and I will say the other thing is try not to get um, distracted by shiny objects like just do eccentrics or <laughs> just do isometrics because we don't want to overtrain that pattern either. So mm. if you're like, well, two days a week is great, but what if I did four days a week? <laughs> like it would be a little too much and we don't want to get to the point where you're getting any sort of overuse injuries, anything like that. Two days a week is awesome. Three is okay. Like if you can yep. do three, that's okay. I think that still gives you enough time if they're spread out to recover for the next week. Um, and more volume is is great because we want to – make sure that you're getting more practice in, but too much volume is going to set you back. So limit yourself at three days a week of pull-up practice and try not to do too many other things that are similar to pull-ups, like too similar to pull-ups that you end up getting, tweaking something and having to go backwards. Yeah. All right. I think that is everything you need to know to get your first pull-up. We really hope that this is a helpful resource for you. Like Jason said earlier, we're going to make sure that we put the whole program like written out into the show notes. Um, And if you have any questions on anything that we talked about here, definitely ask us on Instagram. It's at reasonablyfitpod. We love to hear your questions, hear your feedback about the podcast. Speaking of feedback. You know, we had a lot of reviews uh, mid-January, but the last couple of weeks, people have been slacking. We'd love to get some more reviews. I love using shame as our review tactic. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only time we use shame as a motivational tactic. So if you wouldn't mind, we'd love for you to leave a review review on iTunes or any podcasting platform you subscribe to. It could just be that people just don't listen on Apple anymore. Who knows? They might just be Spotify people. Yeah, because Spotify, it's just a quick five stars. That's easy. Just a quick five stars. So we appreciate all the Spotify listeners. And (laughs) I mean, there's listeners from all different platforms. There's Google Podcasts. And I don't think many of them have reviews besides Apple Podcasts. So yeah, maybe maybe that's... But I do see the data and a lot of people are listening on Apple Podcasts. Mm. So if you are... It's very easy. Just scroll down to the bottom, hit those five stars and add a review. It's no no big deal. (laughs) All right. That is all for today. Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness in. Woo.